Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. It's Tuesday, September 27th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. In an effort to fight current labor shortages, and as robotic technology gets better, you'll soon start seeing robots manning the fry station at some fast food restaurants. Miso Robotics has been developing Flippy the Robot initially to flip hamburgers, but the greatest need for restaurants is working the fryer, where most backups and accidents happen. Laura Riley, business and food reporter at the Washington Post, joins us for where this robot is already working to make you fries. Next, there are currently over 70 companies in Britain undergoing an experiment with a four-day work week. So far, they're about halfway through the six-month experiment, and many of the companies say it's going well. In some cases, productivity is up, and many employees themselves are enjoying it and customers to these companies aren't noticing much of a difference. Jenny Gross, reporter at the New York Times based in London, joins us for what to know. Finally, as remote work continues and employers try to navigate the changing work landscape, many are opting to install so-called bossware on their employees' devices. Some say this helps to increase accountability, others say it erodes trust. Emily Peck, markets correspondent at Axios, joins us for how managers are fighting productivity paranoia. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. You know, I watched Flippy completely freak out. So tacos. Flippy has it was tacos that messed Flippy him up, right? He has trouble with tacos. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I was like standing there and I watched Flippy kind of start getting all stuttery and weird, and I was like, "Uh oh, Flippy's having a moment." Joining us now is Laura Riley, business of food reporter at the Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Laura. Oh, happy to be here. Well, let's talk about uh, robots and how they're increasingly making their way into fast food restaurants. Uh, it was a few years back, I think, when we heard about Flippy the Robot. And this robot was going to be put in fast food restaurants, going to be flipping burgers, helping out the whole process, the whole nine. Well, Flippy the Robot has kind of been re-engineered a little bit to take over the fry station specifically. And the company behind this, Miso Robotics, they're also making another robot called Sippy to handle drinks, Chippy to handle chips. And uh, and they're just looking to see how they can continue to help these fast food restaurants as they're facing worker shortages and, you know, as these technologies just get better. So, Laura, tell us what's going on right now with Flippy the Robot. Well, so as you said, so Flippy started as kind of a solution in search of a problem. So Mike Bell and the people at Miso Robotics thought, well, you know, what's this kind of ubiquitous food thing that may be a pain point for for fast food restaurants? And they thought, oh, flipping the burgers. And so they took the idea to White Castle and White Castle said, yeah, not so much. Really, where we have 
kind of our own headaches is at the fry station. It's hot. It's uncomfortable. No one wants to work the fry station. And it's where things get backed up. You know, if you have a late night rush, the fryer is where things bogged down. So, you know, and at a and at a place like Jack in the Box, which is where they've employed Flippy recently, 60% of their food goes through the fr- the fryer, you know, from those tacos to the egg rolls to rings and fries, etc. You need someone or a lot of someone to drop those baskets into the oil and to kind of time them acro- appropriately. And it turns out Flippy is really perfect at there are like eight cameras associated with these designs and it's a this kind of articulated armature that will drop the baskets and time it appropriately and pull the basket out and dump whatever it is into the either the fry the big fry basket or wherever it needs to go so they're rolling it out in San Diego with the aim of doing maybe a dozen or so more restaurants this coming year. And it remains to be seen whether it's cost effective. I mean, you have to figure out at what point do you have that return on investment and how nicely do the robots play with the humans and vice versa. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about cost because there was millions of dollars going into developing these robots. But for the uh, companies themselves, for Jack in the Box in this instance that we're talking about, there's thousands of dollars in costs that go to renting this out and installing it. Yeah, so it's about 5000 bucks for installation and about 3500 bucks a month for rental per Flippy. Obviously, that is kind of commensurate with uh, one full-time worker, right? I mean, it's, it's, that is not a, a, a prohibitively expensive addition. And I, I'm assuming that as these things scale, the, the, those prices will come down a bit. So you really want to only employ something like this in a high-volume restaurant, you know, where you're running that fryolator 24 hours a day. And, you know, as we've seen, like, you know, it's not new for restaurants to have robotics, but a lot of times historically they've been more consumer facing kind of value added funny, almost entertainment. Those sushi making robots. And we've seen a whole bunch of things come and go. This is really much more utilitarian. I went to the Jack in the Box in question, and it wasn't like they were broadcasting this in the dining room or in the the drive-through line that, oh, did you know that your fries are being made by a robot? (laughs) This is a very, you know, this is not about like, woo-woo, how fun. This is a really kind of a a very utilitarian solution to a problem they've been having. And what happens when things go wrong? I mean, now you can't, uh, you know, have a fellow employee fix the robot, right? You're going to have to have an engineer or something come in and address the issue. Well, for now, they have an engineer on site to do troubleshooting. But over time, so there are cameras that link back up to Miso Robotics in Pasadena. So they're watching in real time when Flippy loses his mind, and he does. You know, I watched Flippy completely freak out. So tacos. Flippy has, it was tacos that messed Flippy him up, right? He had trouble with tacos, yes. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I was, like, standing there, and I watched Flippy kind of start getting all stuttery and weird, and I was like, uh-oh, Flippy's having a moment, you know? <laughs> and so Flippy basically dumped this whole row of tacos into the oil, and the, the human had to kind of fish him out and correct the problem. So, you know, there are some tiny bobbles to overcome, but clearly there is AI involved and Flippy will self-correct over time, uh, especially with the kind of robotics team people pouring over the films. In hindsight, you know, they'll, they'll work it out. And I'm sure that it will be the case that Jack in the Box or whatever fast food restaurant will have to have someone on site who is a kind of a, a flippy expert. Right. Um, so. And to the point of the workers, right, the people that could be displaced by robots and inc- increasing automation, all that. What do executives uh, say about this? Uh, representatives from Jack in the Box, you know, what do they have to say for their part? 
Well, I think that there's a lot of incentive there to not say that these are are replacing humans, right? They're saying, oh, you know, the Fry Station person just got a promotion and now they have an assistant. But we know there are 200,000 fast food restaurants in the country, millions of workers. uh, You know, it's often a first, those hairnet jobs are first time jobs for a lot of teenagers or for people who have retired and maybe don't have the savings that they thought they would. A lot of times, you know, it's it's first jobs for people where English may not be a native language. So it's it's a, a job you can do with with minimal uh, English language skills. So, yeah, there are some real concerns about five years from now, 10 years from now, how many of those jobs will be subsumed by robots. Laura Riley, business of food reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. And I think what was really surprising about the study was that of the 41 companies who responded to the survey, this is three months into the study, 39 said that productivity had either stayed the same or improved. Joining us now is Jenny Gross, reporter at the New York Times based in London. Thanks for joining us, Jenny. Thanks so much for having me. Well, wouldn't it be nice to have a four-day work week. I know this has kind of been one of those conversations that's been happening for a very long time. Right now, what we're seeing is a study in Britain going on. More than 70 companies are participating in a six-month experiment to uh, give their employees an extra paid day off each week. So they'd only do four days a week. And right now, this uh, experiment is about halfway through. And what we're hearing is that a lot of these companies are saying it's actually working out pretty good. Some have said its productivity has increased even. There are a couple that say maybe not so good, but so far it's looking all right. So, Jenny, tell us a little bit more about what we're seeing uh, seeing in this experiment. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right, Oscar. It's been something that we've all, I think, I think a lot of us want this to work. And it's been <laughs> exactly. talked about for decades, but, you know, hasn't really come into fruition at any major scale. This study is of 73 companies in so more than 3,300 workers. And this is in banks, marketing, healthcare, financial services, so really across sectors. So 73 companies and employees are basically getting an extra day off each week. So they work the same number of hours, but it's, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and many are taking Friday off or different days during the week. And I think what was really surprising about the study was that of the 41 companies who responded to the survey, this is three months into the study, 39 said that productivity had either stayed the same or improved. And six of the 41 companies said productivity had significantly improved, which is pretty amazing if you think about just the fact that these people are you know, working 80% less than they were and productivity for the most part is staying the same. Now, one of the things I had been interested in when looking into this stuff is you mentioned some of those industries, right? Banking, marketing, healthcare, financial services, retail, even, you know, a lot of these companies are still operating on a five day work week still. So the employees and employers that are participating in this, they're offsetting the hours, uh, right? So they can at least cover the spread of the five days. Yeah, that's right. So one company I worked at, I spoke to one company that I interviewed, basically, you know, half the employees were taking Wednesday off, half the employees were taking Friday off. So they didn't want to leave their customers in the dark for one day out of the week. Other companies just told their customers, you know, contact us Monday through Thursday, we're not going to be able to respond on Friday. So it's trial and error. And I think these companies are really figuring it out as they go. It's a six month study, and we're three months in. So I think 
basically employers are trying to figure out, can we make this permanent? Mm. Because the benefits are so clear. People are more present. Uh, they are more engaged. They are less exhausted. Um, and, and, you know, burnout is a real problem. So I think it's not been seamless for every company, but the early signs are encouraging. You know, it seems to be uh, working out well that giving somebody an extra day just to kind of maybe whatever it is, decompress from the work week and then get onto the chores of the weekend that you need to do, right? All of that's kind of been helping out and people, employees have been spending more time with family. They're picking up extra hobbies, exercising, you know, being able to get some of that work-life balance, which I think is kind of the goal of most of it. And I think if we're looking at this purely from a productivity perspective, we know studies have shown that when people are in a good state mentally and they're taking care of themselves, they are better as employees. So that's the business case for it. I think these are just 41 companies that responded to the survey, even out of the 73 companies that are involved, 32 didn't respond. So we don't know exactly what's going on with them. And that's not to say that there haven't been some problems. I think people have, a few managers I spoke to said that there's been problems with coordinating vacation because people are taking less vacation than they used to because they don't feel the need to because they're less burnt out. But that means they still get the same number of days. So a lot of people are wanting to take it at the same time at the end of the year. That's been a problem. I think it's still too soon to say exactly if this will work for all companies and for the whole year. But I think, yeah, the, the benefits, the mental health benefits are real. And that's across the board. The companies I spoke to said that they their employees seemed not only more present, but also just happier and more relaxed and calmer. Even some of the companies that you spoke to that were participating said that their customers really haven't noticed much of a difference, which is uh, which is a good thing. I mean, that's something that you kind of need to be on the other end of it for it to really broadly work. Not only not notice the difference, but one company, one manager I spoke to said the client actually noticed there were fewer errors and fewer mistakes because people had less time to correct their mistakes. And there was more of a sense of everyone is working together so we can get out at 5 p.m. on a Thursday and, you know, more less resentment about having to cover other people's shifts if they were out sick. So there were certainly benefits. And I think people want this to work. <laughs> also, from the manager's perspective, for the, for, for the company owners. I think some of them were grappling with the fact that they were paying people for 80% of their time. They're paying people the same amount of money, but to work 80% than they used to. Jenny Gross, reporter at the New York Times based in London. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much, Oscar. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. 
It's almost here. The NYX anniversary sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. So there has been a rise in technology that lets them kind of snoop on you. Managers tracking keystrokes or idle time on your computer, even taking screenshots of monitors. Joining us now is Emily Peck, markets correspondent at Axios. Thanks for joining us, Emily. Hi, how are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Let's talk about uh, what's going on in the workplace right now. Obviously, we've been hearing a lot of stories about quiet quitting, those who are at work, just kind of doing the bare minimum to get by. It kind of started off as a thing of like, you know, I want to pursue more work-life balance, so I'm just going to do what I have to do and then leave. You know, we're also still seeing a lot of people working remotely after the pandemic and all that. And what we've seen is what they're calling a productivity paranoia setting in. Basically, you know, just uh, uh, managers, employers really worried about everybody working up to their potential right now. And we've seen a, a surge in what people are calling bossware, so technology used to surveil workers. So, Emily, tell us a little bit more about what we're seeing with all this. So this kind of surveillance is already prevalent in sort of hourly industries, say truck drivers or delivery workers, um, where they're out on the road and the boss wants to know how far they've driven and, you know, what they're doing out there, that kind of thing. But in the white-collar world, it was relatively rare that your boss is actually keeping super close tabs on you. But with the rise of remote work, managers and executives have become increasingly, like you said, paranoid that people aren't working. And we we do see a rise in at least reports of people not working. As far as anyone I know, and there's really no clear data to show that there's been some wild increase in people shirking their duties or something. Nevertheless, you know, bosses are anxious. So there has been a rise in technology that lets them kind of snoop on you. Managers tracking keystrokes or idle time on your computer, even taking screenshots of monitors. I kind of understand that part of it, right? You don't have a person there in front of you. You can walk around and kind of see, oh, you know, they are on the ball, they're working, whatever that case may be. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, with some of these uh, idle trackers and whatnot, I mean, even if you're in the office, your computer's going to go idle every now and then when you go to the bathroom or whatever. But some people are, are getting dinged on it worse if they're working remotely. And some people, workers are even saying it could dock their pay a little bit if, if they're going, their computer goes idle or something, that'll take some of their hours away even, or, you know, minutes off of their hours and whatnot. So that's kind of uh, shady right there. That's, that's a tough one to handle. Yeah, that is shady. Um, There's a wonderful Times, New York Times investigation 
that found this kind of thing going on. Hourly workers who were so closely monitored that if, you know, they got up and took a too long bathroom break or coffee break or something and their computer went idle, then they wouldn't get paid for that time. And I mean, it's really squishy with white collar work because, you know, you might not be clicking away. Like for me as a reporter, like I'm not necessarily clicking or maybe I'm idle for a few minutes, but I'm, I'm reading something at my desk, you know, on print or I'm right. thinking of something or I mean, it's just it's hard to measure things close to the close to the bone like that. So in all of this right now, there's there's two schools of thought, basically. One that says, you know, a lot of these tools increase accountability at work. It can help people set goals even and, and work, pro, uh, you know, progress to those towards those goals. The other camp says these things are, you know, not really ethical. Uh, it kind of erodes the trust between uh, the employer and the employee. And it can just uh, be a really like a big morale buster. I mean, it's just not going to make you want to work harder if you know you're being tracked. What we found is there's research showing that this kind of software and surveillance can make workers less productive, more likely to quit, reduce morale. And on the flip side, there isn't great research showing that this kind of software or technology increases productivity. Yeah, there's got to be a lot. There's got to be a lot more uh, uh, studies and looking into all this yeah, stuff. And, and you sure. know, you kind of mentioned some of those things that they are using: keystroke trackers. They can take uh, images of your your screen and all that. You know, there's this company. It's it's kind of funny the way they position all this stuff. One of these companies that ha- uh, uses some of these tools or provides these tools for employers is called Active Track, and they say that their product has evolved from an employee monitoring tool to a privacy-conscious, powerful productivity platform. Even in that sense of things, they're trying to position this as all, hey, this is about productivity, you know, we really want to keep it there. But whether your company uses something like that or even something else like Google Workspace or Microsoft 365, a lot of these things all provide some type of reports to your employer, not as in-depth as others, but there's a possibility you're being monitored in many, many different ways. Absolutely. And I mean, there's some argument to be made. It's good to know what your workers, your employees are doing broadly. Maybe they're spending too much time in meetings. Maybe they are spending too much time moving around on the internet. I mean, those are good things to know. I think where it gets kind of sketchy is where it's overused, used to punish people. The cases we talked about, you know, where you're getting docked pay, that kind of thing. There are lines, and I think reasonable people can find those lines and navigate them pretty successfully. Emily Peck, Markets Correspondent at Axios. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media, at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.